Good morning. morning. Greetings to you from India. It is my privilege to be with you in this morning. And thanks for the Christ Community Church and the leadership for giving this opportunity. Uh, As you know that uh, you can find my details in your brochure. So I would share uh, my detail in the end of the sermon. Uh, Let's read Colossians 1st chapter 9 to 23. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious mighty for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who had qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the death, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing all deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless, and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you hear, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we come to you, our presence, in your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of our sin, firstborn of all creation, image of invisible God, author of our salvation, hope of our eternal life. Holy Spirit, we ask for your help to guide us to understand the scriptures and lead us into the light of the world so that we may hear your voice and repent from our failures and obedient to your calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here we can see that Paul, starting this letter to Colossian Church, like a good pastor. He's full of thankfulness to the church in Colossians for the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has proclaimed among this church, and the gospel which they have embraced, and really is giving thanks to this church. Here we can see the heart of Paul's, the pastoral heart of Paul. He's writing to the church to correct them. But while he's writing to them, He's not uh, commanding them or he's not uh, 
scolding them. He's telling them with a, with a pleasing heart. He's praying, them, he's praying for them daily. Paul indicates that he has been praying for them continuously in the ministry. Paul and the apostles were very strong in proclaiming the gospel in the Colossians first 14 chapters. He's giving thanks, thanks, giving thanks, and uh, he's very uh, praising the God for whatever they're doing in the ministry. He gives them the substance of his prayer that they might be indeed filled with the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. These were the words which were teaching against in the churches in Colossians by Gnostics among them. Paul uses them deliberately, emphasizing his concern for them achieving true knowledge, real wisdom, and spiritual understanding. This was his first pretension to God and praying for the church. Paul introduced another character to the church, is his Epaphras. Epaphras was likely the one who planted the church in Colossae. Paul wants the church in Colossae to know how important this man of God to him as well as to the believers in the Colossae. He has been faithful, telling everyone that the church in Colossae was faithful, along with sharing his concern for their faith. After hearing about the faith of Colossians, Paul tells them that he has not ceased praying for them in his prayer for Colossian believers. Paul has been asking God to done, do some very specific things in their life. Paul desire for his friends in Colossians is what all Christians' hearts should chiefly desire for. Those who they love and should strive after for themselves to be filled with the knowledge of God's will is the root or foundation of all our source. The practical life being the outcome and the expression of the inward position of the will of God. The gospel is the word of truth. Paul is telling that the gospel is the word of truth to the Colossian church. Paul hangs on the gospel in first 14 verses. He thanks God for the gospel. He endures Epaphras as a gospel teacher. He prays a gospel-centered Prayer for the Colossians is setting up to see that Jesus is the center of the Christian message and the Christian life. There isn't any other word of truth. It's only the gospel in this world. It's all's all. God is, the, God is our strength. God is our mighty. He holds everything. He's the hope of our redemption. He's the hope of our Salvation is our sanctification, is our eternal life. And we are called to be a Christian for his sake. Christ is our core principle in our life, is our root. Paul wrote all his thought here on Jesus Christ. Paul calls himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ in verse, first verse. Christ is Lord and the object of their common faith. The word of truth is about the story of Christ. Epaphras, the Colossian pastor, is a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. In verse 8, 
and Paul grounds his entire prayer for the Colossians on the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the gospel. In the other word, the entire Christian life from start to finish is to be connected to Jesus Christ. Our entire life from start to finish is about Jesus Christ. Our story becomes a story. He's the reason we pray and the reason we trust that we've been heard. He's the foundation of our security when times get tough. He's the word of truth. Even others may preach falsehood. For us, it's always about Jesus. Amen. Paul says that Jesus had delivered us from the domain of darkness and transformed us into the kingdom of his beloved son. What does this mean? Do you live as though you are no longer a citizen of this domain darkness? How does it affect us and know about Jesus Christ? What is our spiritual address? Really our spiritual address is changed? After Paul's introduction to the church and his prayer for the church's policy, Paul launches into the heart of his concern as we see Colossae church was in a breed grounded for a growing heresy. There was heresy in the Colossian church. Paul is using the past not to say when God made everything, he made Jesus first. It, this is not his saying. He's saying that he's talking about the right privilege and position of a firstborn son. In, 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 a, in a Jewish culture, the analogy would have been as clear as day. Firstborn son were the rulers of their families with all the rights, privilege, and powers of sovereign. Paul is saying, you know how firstborn son rules their families? Well, Jesus is a bit like that, except he is the eternal son of God. He rules creation, sustains creation, and is the reason for which everything was created. Paul is telling to the Colossian church that Jesus reveals God the Father. He reveals God the Father. We are told that God is spirit and we cannot see him in John 4.24. Jesus on the other hand is visible. He is a perfect, full, exact and complete representation of the Father. When he's talking with Philip, Jesus said to him, have I, have I been with you so long and you still not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show, me, show us the Father? Do you ever find yourself wondering what God is like? Many times in India, people worship 33 millions of gods. They worship stones. They worship the animals. They worship all the creations. They're wanting to find the God. There is no more to know about God than what we are shown in Jesus Christ. Jesus is superior to everything. Paul is telling the Colossian church is that Jesus, is, Jesus reveals the Father. Paul is telling the Colossian church is Jesus is superior to everything. When Paul calls Jesus the firstborn over all creation, he is basically saying that Jesus is, is here, the one who, to whom authority is given. The one who is superior to all created things. Do you see Jesus that way this morning? Do we see Jesus that way? That Jesus is superior to everything? 
Do you find him better than money? Is Jesus better than money? Is Jesus is more than everything in this world? And all things that we so easily love must be more, not more than Jesus Christ. And Paul is telling to Colossians in 16 words, everything was made through Jesus. Everything was made through Jesus. Isaiah 44, 24 verse, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched the, out the heaven, who spread out the earth by myself. Everything was made through Jesus. In John first chapter, we read that all things were made through Jesus. The word of God is the uncreated creator, the eternal begotten son of God. And through him, everything was made. Everything was made for Jesus. Everything. The entire creation, stars, planet, people, and plants were made for Jesus. We are made for Jesus. This is important to understand because the Colossian church had become convinced that something else was more important than Jesus. So Paul is telling to the church that nothing is important than Jesus. They believed that there were some goals out there that was better than Jesus. We do this too many times. We think there is better than Jesus in this world. We give our lives to some other ultimate goals. A great family, a stable career, pleasure or power. Paul points is this, the goal of our extension is to be found in Jesus. He is the only one big enough to satisfy the greatness of our longings. Paul is telling that Jesus fits everything together in verse 17. So many things about life seem disjoint and fractured. Sin created a viral brokenness in the creation, keeping it from working as it was intended. Jesus continually upholds all creation. He keeps it working. And ultimately, it will come to fit perfectly together again, but only in him. Jesus in charge of his church is in charge of his church. My favorite Bible verse I always read from Ephesians 3rd chapter, 10th verse. It says that his intent, in, if you see in NIV, it says his intent. If you go for New Living Translation, God's purpose. In ESV, you see, so through church. So through church, the manifold wisdom of God should be proclaimed to everyone. So God has a plan for the church that the manifold wisdom of God to be proclaimed to all the creation. Church is the centerpiece. Church is the plan of God for what he has shed his blood, for what he has been murdered on the cross for the church. Ephesians 4, chapter 12 was to equip the saints for the ministry, the, the responsibility, the core principle of the church to equip the servants for the ministry. 
I think that the church has lost its vision that what God has purpose for it. Dear friends, Paul was writing to a church that has forgotten what was in charge. The Colossian church has forgotten that God is in charge of the church. Jesus is in charge of the church. They began to follow false teachers, demanded additional practice for salvation. Some Jesus never taught them, or apostles never taught them. As though Jesus is teaching or his sacrifice were insufficient for them. Jesus is the head of the church, his body. We are members, we are hands, we are eyes, we are legs. We are the parts of his church. Pastors and leaders must lead in a way that, Je that way keeps Jesus central and supreme. And Christians should follow only those who affirm Christian authority. Jesus rose from the death, proving his divinity. Paul is confirming to the Colossian church that Jesus rose from the death, proving his divinity. The one piece of evidence that proves that all Paul is claiming about Jesus is the resurrection. We are not talking about some sentiments. We are talking about the reality. Jesus is risen. Some people say that Jesus is risen in my, in my heart. It's like sentiments. People talk, Jesus is risen in my heart. We are talking about God-man, murdered on the cross, and risen three days later. That's the real physical evidence of his supremacy. And not only that, but he is risen. Then we who trust in him will get a resurrection like him. He is the firstborn, and we will follow him. Jesus' cross reconciles us to God. Paul is telling to the Colossian church that Jesus' cross reconciles us to the God. This brings us to the second section of this passage, focusing on Jesus. Supremacy is a redemption because Jesus is the supreme authority of everything. He is the only one who qualifies for the position of Savior. In verse 20, we are told that because God is fully present in the life of Jesus, he could make peace by the blood of his cross. This means that God, the Son, paid the full price for sin. The cross is truly a provisional point in history, wherein the enemies of God can have peace with God through faith in death of Son of God. In the cross, our salvation is secure. We do not need other practice or regulation to be saved. Paul finishes his passage by expanding on, the, on this point. We are told that if you, if you continue in the faith, holding steadfast to the gospel, then we will be presented holy and blameless before God. We will be forgiven, free, and rescued from all our evil deeds, broken lives, and our disconnection from God. Christ is the supremacy of all things. Paul is, Paul is very clear to the church in Colossians about the, the crisis, crisis supreme. Christ is the ultimate authority for everything. Christ is supreme of all things. This passage is confirmed over and over 
with the glorious news of Jesus Christ's supremacy. In all things, he is Lord of creation and redemption. This Lordship is the greatest news in the world. Is a Lord, is a King of kings, Lord of lords of the whole universe. In Matthew's 28th chapter, 18th verse, Jesus telling to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. The Lordship is the greatest news in the world. When Christ rose from the death, he was exalted to his right place as a king of the universe. No other king is better than him. Because no greater king has laid down his life for his rebellious people. But Jesus did. Jesus died for our sins, for your sins. Paul explains that all fullness of God will in Jesus Christ. That means that when Jesus died for sin, the greatest possible price was paid. The very life of God for Colossians who were tempted to think that they were some higher truth than this. They were quickly turned away from the gospel. How quickly we are to think we must add our religious effort to the cross of Christ. Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient for our salvation. Paul is telling that faith, faith in Jesus means a new life. In verse 22 and 22, we are told that Colossians used to be alienated from God. Their sin had created a gap between them and God. We are the same. Our sin separated us from God. And in our separation, all our deeds are evil. Even the one we think are good. But when we come to trust in Jesus, to really completely on his death and resurrection, then we are no longer separated from him. Now we are in his family. We are one family. Reconciled sons and daughters of the king. Jesus is supreme in our life. So this morning, is Jesus is supreme in your life. Is more than your money. Is more than your career. Is more than your family. That's what Paul is studying in the Colossian church. If Christ is going to be the core in our lives, then there will be a caste. Like a country in India, to become a Christian is a caste. When a person confesses he's a Christian, he loses his scholarships, he loses the benefit. There will be no, in India, Christian doesn't have any, any authority to get the benefits from the government. It's a caste to be a Christian. But the caste is not the final. Reality, grace is. The grace of God was filling Paul, overflowing from him to his Colossian readers. Despite his chains and burdens and persecution, how completely must Paul have been to be fully enough to write to a church he never met? How must his heart have been overflowed with the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ? We must should pray our lives would overflow. God is all the more faithful to reign into our core of our hearts. And being the waterfall 
of his fullness. Grace and mercy in emptying, we find fullness. And in Christ's fullness, we find joy. Paul is concluding and telling to the Ephesian church that Jesus is the only joy. Jesus is the only supreme. And there is no other supreme in our life. And it is my privilege to be with you this morning to share the word of God. And uh, we are doing ministry in India. Uh, our main vision, reaching the unreached people groups in India by proclaiming the gospel. We have a hope of the gospel. The hope, the gospel changes the lives of the people. I was born in a Hindu family. I was adopted when I was six months. I was taken away from my family because of my parents' financial situation. I was adopted, grown in a Hindu family for 16 years as an Orthodox Hindu family. My name is actually Venkatesh. In your brochure, you find it's a Venkat, Venga Vijay. But before I came to Christ, my name was a Hindu God name. At my 19 years, I believed Jesus Christ on an Easter Sunday. I went to a church. I was hearing the message about the sovereignty of God. The teacher was sharing about the Jesus is loving, Jesus is holy, Jesus is risen from the dead. So as a Hindu man, we worship many gods in India. I was thinking, okay, does my Hindu God doesn't have loving? Does my Hindu God is not holy? Does my Hindu God is not risen from the dead? I was searching all the gods, but I could not able to find one God who is loving, one God who is holy, one God who has risen from the dead. We have gods who are very anger gods. We have gods who are very selfish gods. And I could not find even one God. On that Easter Sunday, the gospel changed me. The Holy Spirit transformed my life and accepted Christ as my personal savior when I was 19. Soon after I was saved, I got a burning passion to go back to my community, my people who doesn't know about Jesus Christ, who doesn't know the love of Christ. So I, burned, I got a burning passion to go and plant churches in the unreached people groups. So at the age of 21, I planted nearly 12 churches and started an organization called Christ Gospel Ministries. God has been so faithful for us. Up to 2007, I, met, I came across ELI, because I'm from an Armenian background. I don't know about the grace of God. I was thinking that all my efforts will lead me to heaven. And I was teaching the same thing to the people who I was ministering. I was saying, you need to do this. You need to pray like this. You need to pray this many times. You need to fasting to get your salvation. But when I gone through the Reformed theology, it really changed me. To see that how God is big. How God is sovereign in all things. So by the, by the efforts of the training program, we started training with the local indigenous church planters. So there were 300 pastors when we conducted our first conference. They gathered. In these 300 pastors, there were 210 pastors. In their first time, they're hearing the word from verse by verse. They came to me, they told me that, Pastor, we want this training to be continued. Would you train us? I tell, okay, 
I was thinking the ways how to train them. I was thinking, okay, okay, I want an agreement from you that we will train you, but you need to make an agreement with me that you need to train at least 10 pastors from your church and train them and send them as a missionaries. So we started this in 2007, training the local believers. And in 2015, it became 2,043 people, 2,043 churches, by training the local pastors, churches, and sending them from the local church. By the grace of God, in 2012, from the government of India, Christ Gospel Ministries and the Christ Gospel Church has received a legal license to proclaim the gospel. It's very rare in India to be licensed. We got a license. In India, the government passed the order that if you want to be a pastor, if you want to be a church, you need to be licensed. So there are, in India, 90% churches are independent. They have no license. The pastors are not trained. So these all pastors, they came to us and they asked me, can you be able to train us? I tell, okay, we can train you. There were like 54 bishops who came to us and asked for, their, asked for our help. So there were 54 bishops and I shared about my philosophy, the doctrine, what we believe. We believe in five-point Calvinist. So there, you, can have, you, can, you find rare people in India who believe in five-point Calvinist. So... So I gave all my uh, faith statement. I told, this is what I believe. And they told, okay, this seems to be Bible. <laughs> okay, so they all signed a memorandum of understanding. And in April, these 54 bishops from different denominations, from, from independent Baptist, independent charismatic, Pentecostals, nearly 7,600 churches, they came under our denomination. So now we have a big responsibility to train them. So we're training them in Reformed theology. We're training the key people in Reformed theology. And I'm here for asking people to consider supporting the ministry, what is happening in India. It's a challenging ministry. We're in the pioneer. We're in the front line, pioneering in the movement of church planting. And please pray for us. Thank you, Cameron, and thanks for the leadership for giving this opportunity. Let's close this with prayer. Father, thanks for your word and making us to understand the purpose of your son, Jesus Christ, coming to this world to save us from the dominion and darkness of the world. We pray to fulfill our hearts with your joy, peace, and grace. Our works are not counted. We saved by your grace alone in Christ alone. We are accepted in heavenly places only through our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, Thanks for unfolding the word. God, give us the boldness to live for Christ and his word. Protect us, our families, children from the dominant darkness. We ask this prayer in our King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Amen.